it's not just outside resources, it's the internal resources that you're going to commit, have them, the leadership, departmental leadership that's going to commit their time to implementing that product well. Good day and welcome to this HIMSCast podcast. I'm Bill Sawicki, Managing Editor of Healthcare IT News, a HIMS Media publication. Today, we're going to dive into health IT implementation best practices for provider organizations. Our guest today is from Class Research. Ryan Oliver is Research Director. Welcome, Ryan. Yeah, hi, Bill. Thank you, and thank you for your interest in this topic. I look forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's start our start out our conversation with your organization and the insights you've gleaned through it and your research. So first, um, everyone knows all about class research, but if you can give a little gist to that and also sure. talk about classes, landmark insights and what that seeks to achieve. Yeah, you bet, Bill. So a brief version of class uh, for those that don't know, I think most do, but our goal is to provide transparency in the industry for healthcare payers and providers and really do a lot of research around what are uh, strong solutions, what's happening in the industry, and provide some insights and transparency for healthcare leaders to be able to really make good decisions. Um, it's interesting, Landmark Insights came about, as you know, Bill, we have annually a best-in-class award. And if you think about this, there's probably 140, 150, I can't remember how many best-in-class awards that go out for different segments um, in healthcare, but they go to the, the vendors and consulting firms. But one of the questions that we'll get sometimes, especially from vendors that are really trying to perform well, is, you know, they'll say, class, what are one, what's one thing or maybe a few things that would be most important for us to focus on? in order to get a better class score. But what a class score actually represents is the client's use of their product, their client's experience, and the outcomes that they're getting from a vendor's product or their service. And it, if we answered that, could answer that question with one thing, what's one thing that you could do to improve your class score as a vendor, give your clients a better experience? it would be to start with a better implementation from the beginning. Now I can show you some of the research around that, uh, but it's amazing. You know, at, at Hims, Bill, you can walk around and see so many different things that vendors are doing to innovate and bells and whistles and neat things that they're adding. And that is very important, innovation, all of those things. But it's interesting that, you, you don't always hear a lot about what the vendors are investing in to improve their implementation, maybe because it's not like a super fun topic, but it's amazing how much interest there is still when we publish research on this topic. It's not a new topic, but it's one that's critical, that's very important, and perhaps one of the most important things that a health system, a healthcare leader can focus on when trying to get the most out of a technology is when they get a new technology, implement it really well. And vendors can certainly help guide and and uh, and help that happen. Okay. Uh, well, you've reported that the correlation between best in class status yep. and successful implementations is very high. 
and even 100% for more complex systems. So please elaborate on these findings and explain why you think these are the case. Sure. So to start with, it's uh, we looked at a few best-in-class reports and then give everybody an idea. We're doing about close to 25,000 interviews a year with healthcare leaders. And every time we interview someone in particular, if they're, we're interviewing them, asking about their software, we ask a series of questions. One of those is, uh, tell us, please rate the quality of your implementation. So fortunately, we have the data on how they rate how well their implementation went. And then we have the data on their their overall experience with the any given product or solution. And so we're able to look at it and it's 80, about 81% overall of best in class winners are the um, are the best at implementing, rated the best at implementing in their segment. But as, as you mentioned, Bill, you noticed in the report, when it comes to um, more complex solutions, it, it's been 100% essentially. And, and I haven't gone all the way back 25, 30 years and looked at it, but in the last several years, it's 100%. It's like a core EMR system, ERP, a financial system, enterprise imaging, anything that's implemented broadly in a health system. I think the reason to, to get to your point, elaborating on why that is, um, <clears throat> in a mature segment like EMR, ERP, the, the tools are have really been developed and matured to a point where they essentially all have the necessary features and functionality. And what happens is that whoever, uh, uh, the health system that does the best job implementing it is going to utilize those tools and functionality. So for example, if you take a population health tool and they're getting 60 data feeds that could be utilized in care intervention, but they only, let's say, adopt and utilize one, two, or three of those because they didn't uh, really put the effort or work into the necessary transformation and change management of their care interventional models and things like that, then they're only getting a, a small percentage of the use uh, that they really could be getting out of that technology. So the usability, the the user experience with training, um, you know, you'll hear complaints, even the transition and cut over to after go live supporting a tool so that it, it runs well during an implementation. All of those types of things that are happening during the implementation really make a big difference. And, and furthermore, Bill, I, I don't want to elaborate too much on this um, and take too much time, but when an implementation has a lot of problems, and a, a healthcare leader rates it, what we would consider the equivalent of like a C, D, or F. 75% of those, when we interview them in that first year after go live, uh, are dissatisfied with the product. They're giving us a dissatisfied score on that product. And then we interview that same person a year later, and 76 of them, 76% of them are still dissatisfied. So if you start in that hole with the poor implementation, it's a tough hole to dig out of. And, and oftentimes, unfortunately never do that's not always the case i mean class is doing other things like the arch collaborative to to really give data on how to take a tool that you've already implemented no matter how well you did or didn't implement it and try to do the best with it and improve but as you know it's just in a large health system especially it's a really massive effort people have moved on with their lives and their jobs and are hoping to get use out of the technology and to go back mentally and get all those people either retraining 
or relearning how to use a tool in a different way or changing processes, it's best that all of that happens as well as possible during the implementation. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, so you've suggested that a good start really is important yeah, and you, you're, that your data supports that. So please talk about the beginning of health IT implementations and what healthcare provider organizations, CIOs, and other health IT leaders should be focusing on. Yeah, you bet. So we've asked a number of healthcare organizations after their implementations what they regret or what they would have done differently or what they could have changed to overcome their challenges. And so when I give you an answer, Bill, I'm referring to what we've heard from healthcare leaders, not not really my opinion on it, but what we've analyzed and heard most. And so starting the planning really early for an implementation is critical. We're starting to hear, you know, when you say, you, you mentioned get that start, what should we be thinking about? Really having open discussions with your vendor um, and during the sales and selection process, um, I would I would put it this way, considering over-investing in your implementation and not being sold by a vendor who's trying to get you their, to buy their product and, and maybe telling you that, um, that you can spend less on the implementation with their product it, than versus another product. Um, the fact is getting a, a lot of people to use a new product takes a, a big effort regardless of which tool you're going to purchase. And so over-investing in the right resources for your implementation early on, thinking about this, don't under-resource an implementation. That's a big problem, but it's not just outside resources. It's the internal resources that you're going to commit, have them, the leadership, departmental leadership, that's going to commit their time to implementing that product well. And as much as possible, this is a very difficult task. Because these are leaders, they they have high-level jobs that are difficult to backfill. But when leaders can get more involved in the implementation, and that means backfilling their their day-to-day job as much as possible. So thinking about that in advance, you know, for example, if if there's somebody in the finance department, accounting department that's really should be involved in an ERP implementation for that module. Um, getting some accounting resources to backfill as much of their job as possible so they can focus on what they need to do for their implementation and working closely with their vendor, um, getting expectations, really pressing on your vendor to to set realistic expectations, understanding that contract inside and out, but looking beyond the contract and asking the right questions, getting the right resources and commitment from the vendor on what can we really do to best utilize this product focusing on that even more so than like the features and functionality and and things with the product but really focusing on how you can best utilize and change within your organization to transform whatever outcomes defining your outcomes what are you why are you even buying this product beyond just hey we want you know the number one answer we hear is um we, we're buying this new product so that we can have an integrated enterprise system and replace some, uh, you know, some some niche products and best of breed products. But beyond that, what fi- financial or clinical or business outcomes are you trying to get out of that tool? And then constantly working with your team 
um, as you're planning the implementation to make sure you're doing things in a way that will get you those outcomes. Um, those are some of the, the key drivers early on as you're starting out the planning process for that implementation. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that uh, you can offer kind of a deep dive into one Perfect. of the most important implementation best practices for provider organizations that you have found. Just just pick one and kind of talk about okay. it a little, a little bit. Yeah, you bet. So not skimping on change management. So I'll share with you, most folks that, um, that we interviewed during an implementation and asked them, how's the experience going? Early on in the sort of planning phase, they're, they're all very, very optimistic and typically over-optimistic. And then we get into that build phase and then we hear about the, the the net experience score goes down. And then when the lowest score that we interview people about their implementation is just right after go live retrospectively, they're looking back and saying we were overconfident. And so that group is the lowest score. And, and that tells us something that, um, that folks typically could put more effort and thought and planning into their implementation. And then when we ask what's the number one challenge that you had, it is um, change management related. So, and that and training, under investing in training, the, both the time and the quality of training. So if you were to wrap that into training is sort of the how to use the product, but the change management is really the why and the the so what, and what we're, why we're going to use it this way, why we're going to change processes in order to use the product this way. So investing heavily in getting buy-in, alignment from departments, alignment with the vendor, all the stakeholders and and the client alignment that way, um, and and really helping folks understand, here's what we need to change within our organization. This is the best way to do it. Here's why we're going to do it. Here's what it's going to do for us. So there's a massive communication effort that really needs to be done effectively. It's su- such an interesting concept. It's really the, you know, the the people process technology. It's the people and process portion of the implementation that can be the most difficult, but also the most important to put a lot of thought and effort into. And you know, when we look at training quality and time, um, luckily we have other data from like our Arch Collaborative team looking at that that relates here. But training quality is, we, we looked at data to say, is it best to have a, um, a classroom setting with a large group or at the elbow, one-on-one? Or is it best to have, if it's an EMR, a clinician doing the training or a non-clinician? And the answer is, it depends on how good the trainer is. A good trainer training 30 people is better than a poor trainer training one person one-on-one. So it's some of those findings are up really good quality training. And then there is a minimum on the amount of time for training and that depends on the product. Um, but it's oftentimes more training that of low quality doesn't help. It's just looking closely, having visibility into what is the quality of your trainers? What does the experience people have with that? That would be one of the, the most uh, important best practices. So chit review, change management, and including with that, uh, not skimping on the training. Uh, along with change management, Bill. 
That's great. Um, you did such a great job with that question and change management and training. Um, do you think you could pick one more little you tip bet. For, uh, some kind of some kind of pro tip for uh, implementation best practice? You bet. Should I get a drum roll for this one? <laughs> and that would be fine. No, here's here's what I would say. Um, with our experience going out and monitoring a lot of implementations now, every time we go in and interview people during an, inter- an implementation and then share back our findings with the vendor and the client, there are surprises. So what does that tell us? That having visibility, whether no matter how you do that, but having periodic visibility and getting essentially kind of the water cooler talk. I heard a CIO put it this way. He said, Ryan, um, I was asking about his implementation. He said, I feel like our steering committee meetings are a kumbaya session. I know there's issues that I'm not hearing. And having some sort of mechanism, you know, and and we're doing this within our Landmark Insights team because we've recognized the importance of implementations where we're going out and interviewing and providing that feedback. But whether you do that with class or you figure out a way to do it beyond just quality assurance on the technical side, but really taking the time and effort to interview people and get the real story, several at the leadership level, but also a few layers down. Um, and finding out problems and then addressing those when you find them rather than here's a big mistake is saying, Hey, you know what? Our testing phase is coming up in two months. It'll be solved then. And it's not. And so then, you know what? The next phase after this milestone, it'll be solved. The can gets kicked down the road. So finding concerns early on and then triaging how you're going to address those coming up with an action plan, addressing them, having accountability so that they're fixed. What we don't want is those issues to become bigger problems as they get closer to go live. And then everybody's scrambling and trying to determine in that go, no go meeting, whether we should go live or whether we should delay it. And then oftentimes at the last minute, poor decisions are made. And there are those that have reasons that they don't want to delay it. There's financial reasons not to delay it. Um, So, and sometimes it should be frankly delayed to go live, but but to address those issues early on, start with visibility early and throughout your implementation, finding out what's really going on, addressing triaging issues, um, coming up with action plans and accountability throughout is one of the keys to success and a good implementation. Well, that's fantastic. And I'm sure our listeners are going to take, take away quite a bit from today's talk, uh, Ryan. Um, and that is this week's HIMSCAST podcast. I'd like to thank my guest, Ryan Oliver, Research Director at Class Research. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, Bill. And to all of our listeners, look for another HIMSCast coming soon. Mm-hmm.